Well, I can't say there's ever been a guest episode I didn't enjoy, chatting, recording, and whatnot, but sometimes I just have this feeling beforehand that it's gonna go really well. It's hard to put my finger on exactly what it is or why I sense it, but what I can say is this episode with Alec Rockrise was one of them. Sure enough, my instinct was right, and we had a great conversation. I know from sharing a lineup with Alec once or twice that he's a great surfer. You can see it too from his personal Instagram at a rockrise, and you also get a taste of his teaching style from his brand page at the California Surf Academy. Check out the episode description for timestamps to various surf education topics we touch on, but I suggest you just let it roll from start to finish like a good surfer rides a wave because this episode holds a ton of insightful nuggets. Before we get into our episode, I want to give a big shout out to our new official show sponsor, Crooked Wetsuits. Ever since we connected with these cats a few years back on episode 192, we've been big fans of their suits and little by little our wetsuit locker has been taken over by them. Why? Well, first of all, because they're a crew after our own hearts. Honest, authentic, and stoked cold water surfers. They'll be the first to wave the white flag on the often manipulative marketing game and say their wetsuits aren't any better than any other suit out there. They simply choose the best material they can find, work to improve the resulting builds every ordering round based on customer feedback, and offer their product at a great price. This is a Roots brand started by a group of friends, helping specifically cold water surfers enjoy surfing more. And for that reason, we're stoked to support these guys, and they said the same about us. Now let's roll the tape on Alec and I. Enjoy. I got. I'm excited for this one. So, but let's kick it off with something easy. Uh, why don't you just like share a little background on you, your surfing, where you grew up, and all the way up to where you are right now? Yeah. So my name is Alec Rockrise, um, and I've been surfing for probably going on 20 years now. I started at like 11 or 12, 32, as of like a week and a half ago. Um, my knees are still good though, which is awesome. Um, but I grew up surfing in Texas of all places. So I would lived in Houston. So about an hour from the closest beach, which would have been Galveston, Texas. And, um, yeah, I grew up going to surf camps in other States. So like in the summertime, right. And like in my teen years, I'd go to California and I'd stay at a surf camp there and eventually, around like 15, 16, started sweeping the floors, doing the dishes, loading up all the boards onto our trailer, that sort of thing. Um, and they'd let me just kind of stay the whole summer in the Camp Grom. So nice. I wouldn't have to like, otherwise I could probably only afford to stay for a week or something like that. So I did a lot of my like progressing in California, Southern California specifically. And then uh, once I hit 18, went to college in North Carolina and Wilmington. And was like 10 minutes from the beach. I could drive there between classes or before school, that sort of thing. And yeah, that's probably when like I really started to like just be a surfer, like actually felt like a surfer, didn't have to like trekking out of the beach for knee high wind chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, still, got, still got knee high wind chop in North Carolina, but uh, <laughs> only was 10 minutes away. So it was easy. You have a lot of similarities to like your beginnings as me. Uh, for one is that I started around that same age, like 11 or 12. I honestly, I, I cannot pin, pin it down on when exactly it was because there was a good year, I want to say, year and a half that I wanted to surf. And yeah, same. The, 
Really? I had never surfed. And I was like obsessed. I had all the magazines. My wall was covered, but totally. I had never actually done it. I was the biggest poser ever. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to surf so bad, but the 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 hindrance, the the big, you know, thing stopping me was a surfboard. I, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have money to get a board. So I was mm-hmm. just kind of saving up dollars at a time, literally from like shoveling snow or raking leaves. And I, th- I want to say it took about a year to get up 50 bucks or actually just shy of 50 bucks. My parent parents loaned me the last $8 to get a $50 used surfboard. Um, and then I finally got to start and man, I was so proud to just hold that thing. <laughs> Do you remember um, what the board was? Oh Yeah. 6-2 hotline, glass and thruster, oh, classic like yeah. 90s board, but with like that 80s, you know, just coming out of the 80s influence uh, that yeah. just, it definitely had some owners before me. It was like all yellowed and, and suntanned, you know, and, and actually, yeah. so my dad's a sailor and, and he was like really looking it over. Like it was an important decision, 50 bucks, you know, I mean, you know, 20 years ago, 25, that it was a lot of money for me, especially a yeah. grum. But he found like a little D-lamp spot and he totally recognized that as a sailor and sailboats being like, oh, that's not good. You know, like this is going to, this is going to turn into something, you know? And I was like, no, oh my God, finally I find a board that I can afford, you know, and he's finding something wrong with it. But he ended up deciding, no, we can cut it out and re-glass it ourselves. And and there it was. Um, But yeah, so it had that one white, you know, clean foam white patch on the tail (laughs) where we re-glassed it. Um, but the other thing that you were saying um, that was really similar is just like, well, it was later in life. Oh, but the hustle to like get to the surf. And oh, I was yeah. like closer than you, but still I didn't have a car. And it wasn't until like a few years later when I linked up with a friend who had a boat where we could drive across the bay before we had a driver's mm-hmm. license. But I could definitely appreciate the, you know, the hustle. It wasn't just the hustle, right? I mean, you've got the tide in the like East Coast, very similar to the Gulf Coast. You know, if it's not the right tide, if the wind's bad and you don't have the time off when the wind and the tide is cooperating, like you're not surfing. Right. Or if you are, you're just in the most junk conditions you could imagine. Which I was most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, I honestly didn't even know conditions then, you know. It's like, it, it was just like, just got to do it. Just get out there. Go. And I'm pretty sure I didn't catch a first wave for maybe a season or two, you know, like it took me a while to like, the beginning was a slog, but I was just so amped that I had a surfboard. It, you know, it could have taken 10 years and I probably would have kept at it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like I, my first board was like a six, six rusty. I can't remember the model or whatever it was, but yeah, some old rusty. And like, I struggled on that board for so long and I still was like having a blast. Thought I was ripping and I was probably barely like standing up in white water and going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a long time of just like white water, like oh, I'm trying to get to my feet. As as like an instructor, I really like to call that the Grom mentality that I want, you know, because I'm sure you are similar. You teach a lot of adults probably. Um, oh, yeah. And adults are different. They want to measure things. They want to know how long, how much time is it going to take, you know. And yeah. when you're a Grom and you're learning, you don't think like that. You're just playing. Uh-huh. And so I think that attitude's a really important one for like adults to try and relearn, re-remember from childhood is like, just play, just enjoy this and be here now. And uh, so that's that's the one thing I think we really lucked out on, even though we were a little late to the game compared with some of the really hot surfers, you know, we were still young enough to get that, like just 
play, have fun, be so relieved yeah. that you finally got a board. I think too, like kids, like I think about that a lot actually right now because I do, I work with mostly adults, but you know, I get kids all the time. My summer camps um, that I work at are all kids pretty much and their brains are just like sponges. So like they can pick up on the patterns of the ocean and reading waves and like they're absorbing it all, even if they don't know it, it's like making sense in their subconscious where I feel like adults, if their brains like stop growing after like 26 or whatever, I feel like that has something to do with how adults interpret the ocean if they haven't spent any time in the water beforehand. Totally, and, totally. And yeah, there like, must be like a fear element in there too, you know, like where an oncoming wave for a kid is like, oh good, you know, and like for an yeah, adult, it's yeah. a little bit of an anticipate, um, like anxiety inducing potentially, yeah. you know. Uh, but that that brings up a good point. You know, I think one of the hardest things, there's a lot of surfing that's athletic and we can teach. And as you do it, you get your styles and ways of teaching it, you know, and you really figure some things out. But one thing that constantly evades me and, and I just always am trying is how do you teach reading waves? You know, especially like you said to adults, like, do you have anything like, do you have any go to's, any things that clicked for you that you were like, oh, this is. I got to remember to keep using that because that helped this person. I found that describing a wave like a triangle can, in the moment, like in a quick lesson, like if I haven't worked with them before or they haven't had any exposure to reading waves, I'll try to explain to them in that moment, okay, think of the wave as a triangle and find that highest point of the triangle. And then maybe I explain to them, okay, that triangle turns into more like, I guess, a trapezoid where the peak could be a point or it could be like extended and kind of flat mm. and reach extend out further and where you want to be and where that wave is going to break is going to be just next to whatever that peak is but it's a hard hard thing i think um, most of that work reading like explaining how to read a wave i found comes from like sitting down talking about it going through videos of like whatever's on youtube that sort of thing um and then just trying to really like encourage them when they're sitting out there in the water. Cause when you're learning, you're spending a lot of time just sitting, mm. you know, you're not catching a ton of waves because you're not good enough yet. I encourage them to just watch other people surfing. When do they start paddling? Where do they start paddling? Identify the swells and then kind of make it a game. Like try to just like anticipate where is that swell going to break? doesn't matter if it's coming towards you or if it's down the beach, like, identify that swell kind of just like do a little game with yourself and say oh i think it's gonna break right over there and then see if you're right and if you're right why are you right and if you're wrong why were you wrong but it's a hard hard thing yeah um, yeah it really is i i like what you said the last there though kind of experimenting like make a game of it and see rather because what i find a lot of adults do is is just sit there and watch the wave come in and, and they're like kind of looking and looking and looking and then realizing when it's too late, of course, that, oh, if I had gone where I thought or had just at least started, it's, it, it, there's something to learn from it. You know, whether you're correct yeah. or not, that's not even the point, really. It's just like the, the practice of it. Uh, that was really good. But yeah, you know, one thing I feel like that makes it so hard is that's a great introduction, you know, the shapes, but there's so much more dimension to waves. You know, oh, yeah. like the movement of them through the plane or the medium of the ocean and the shape they take in the other way. You know, like that's the shape yeah. when you look at it this way. But what about when you're taking off and looking? There's just like 
Yeah, so I, you know, I asked this question not as secretly having the answer, but like legitimately <laughs> wondering, like, you got anything up your sleeve that I can maybe steal? <laughs> no, really, no. I've I've found that actually recently, a lot of people benefit from once I like get it into their head. Okay, like play this game, identify the swell to move towards the swell where they think that tip of the triangle where the peak is going to be. Just move towards it, whether you intend to catch it or not. Um, because like you just said, by the time somebody realizes the wave's about to break, it's right on them. They haven't moved at all. And mm-hmm. generally when that happens, I find that it either breaks right on them or they're taking off like way too, too steep and late and they're going to nosedive. Um, and I find that if I encourage, encourage them to just have movement, um, out there as opposed to just sitting and waiting that maybe they pick it up a little quicker or maybe they're just getting lucky more often. I'm not sure, but the movement yeah. is like a really good thing. You know, totally. with respect to everybody else in the water, you know, of course, obviously of etiquette course. is super important. But that's, that's, so, that's a valid point too, you know, because you get so into your student and wanting to teach this thing and then, you know, you see them try to implement what you just said and you're like, oh, well, you're paddling right over somebody. <laughs> like, oh, do I have to say God. that? You're not supposed to paddle on top of somebody else. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. I, I try to think about how we learned it. Like as Groms, like I was never... Like, I went to a surf camp, but by then I was already, like, catching my own waves. Nobody was, like, telling me to do anything. I was just there surfing. And, like, my whole childhood was just surfing. And if I did something wrong, usually somebody in the lineup would let me know that that wasn't cool. You mm-hmm. know, a couple interactions that are, like, pretty vivid in my memory of, like, lessons learned. Totally. And, you know, adults, it's almost like they're they're kind of waiting to be told without jumping to conclusions themselves sometimes. Hmm. Um, but I try to think about it, like, how did I understand that? And I I think, like, YouTube was just starting to kind of be a thing when I was that age, like a teenager. Um, so I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I watched a lot of, like, the classic surf films. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, also, like, a lot of, like, documentary-style surf films, like, specific to longboarding, because that's what I did the most of growing up. And those, you'd pick out little pieces during an interview about like, oh, that's okay to do. That's not okay to do. Mm. Uh, Just being aware, like, you know, if you almost get run over, why did you almost get run over? Like, Mm. okay, it's because I was sitting right underneath or below somebody. So I need to move to this, like off to their side. Or if somebody gets pushed into me or I get pushed into them, you know, it's, it's being aware when you make the mistakes, like, okay, why did that happen? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you get away with it as a kid. Maybe as an adult, you can't get away with that stuff as easily. Right, right. That's the other element I find that's really difficult with adults is, yeah, kids get away with a lot. You know, it's like, oh, it's a kid learning. But how many times have you heard it in the lineup where some adult does some ridiculous thing and their their excuse or their reason is, I'm sorry, I'm just learning. It doesn't fly. Yeah. Nobody it cares. You know? it, it's it, like... It, it cra- cracks me up those like Instagram videos where like, a guy is surfing and a kid drops in on him and then the guy like grabs the board and pushes the kid over the top of the wave. And if you go through the comments, everybody's like, screw that guy, like give the kid a wave, you know? But if that was adult on adult, everyone would be like, oh, that kook that dropped in on him deserves worse, you know? Totally. So it's it's pretty interesting. That's a friendly way of dealing with it because when I grew up and I was dropping in and, and, you know, I learned just, you know, you, you kind of triggered a couple memories for me when you said learning a couple lessons the hard way, it was not that friendly. I definitely got yelled at, you know, and there, there were times where being a kid didn't work either, you know, 
And yeah. uh, I guess that's just part of the, you know, part of the game. Um, and that's going to actually bring up some other good questions to talk about. Um, but what was it that you had said that I, I really wanted to talk about too? Um, oh, like how did we learn, you know, and, and as kids and growing up? Oh, okay. So it was when you were just talking about watching movies, watching YouTube, watching yeah. documentary, like immersing yourself in anything you could get your hands on, you know, just okay. like anything film and even when you're at the beach watching you know and watch surfers surf and as long as you're if you're in the lineup as long as you're not in the way don't like ignore someone catching wave that always kind of strikes me as like if someone's catching a wave right near you are you why aren't you looking at them like watch it go down right but i see that a lot i feel like where people kind of are just still looking out to see you know and and like right next to you, a perfect a person's in the perfect position for a wave. Like watch it go down. It's a an amazing up close and personal experience that I think that one it beats all you know surf content. You know you just like the flat two dimensional screen doesn't quite show it to you the way it does when you're in real life. That's so true. Like there's something about seeing surfing a person. I think like speed is a really big thing when I watch surfing in the water. I mm. like that doesn't trend like you can see someone go fast on a movie clip or whatever, but when you're in the water and you watch a really good surfer take off the amount of speed they're getting just from dropping in and then coming off the bottom. You're just like you're trying to figure out how did they do that? Like where were their feet? You kind of you know, you're trying to look at where their feet are at, what's what are their shoulders doing? And I think that's like a more the more and more I like surf around better surfers more often I'm like very very much admire like how they just generate speeds. So I think mm. speed's just key to everything once mm. you get, you know, past the reading waves and taking off and all that. So totally. like I'm still watching people surf when I'm out there. Yeah. Trying to pick up on things. Yeah, absolutely. Same. I'm I mean that's kind of why it baffles me. It's cause it's like I'm I'm staring at them and even if I feel like they're just some beginner or some I'm looking, I wanna know, I wanna it's just that that thirst for always wanting to see surfing but yeah i think you nailed it with the speed is the most uh impactful thing you don't realize when you're watching a clip versus surfing in real life you know and that's still it blows me away when i'm with like a truly great surfer or some pro level surfer and the amount of speed they get is just like oh wow i'm like still way off you know like i got a long way to go it separates like the pros from just your everyday lifelong surfer. Like there's, there's a huge gap yeah. between like our level and then the pros. Right. You know, totally. and we, we keep striving for that level. Of course, will we ever get there? Probably not. <laughs> that maybe that's the beauty of the journey. Um, yeah, exactly. One thing I, that brings up this, I don't want to spend too much time on it. My listeners probably are sick of hearing me talk about paddling technique, but we're talking ah. about speed. You know, for me, it's just the most important thing. And it's the simplest thing that you can address that has the most actionable and, and uh, uh, effective, uh, you know, benefit to your surfing, I feel. Improve your paddling, you know. Um, so I, I think that's like, you know, talking about that and, and speed was kind of making me think of it. Um, how, what's your approach to paddling technique? Is it something like you just run over on the land and, and you, you know, don't, don't let me answer this for you. Yeah. I think, um, as far as like trying to teach paddle technique on land, I don't think it's very useful other than for that first time surfer explaining to them the importance of like a pretty 
full or almost full extension of the arm as you paddle, keeping the fingers closed or cupping your hands a little bit. Um, but more than anything is board positioning, mm-hmm. which like, you know, they don't feel until they're in the water. And even like intermediate surfers, people that already are surfing, like if they get a new board, like figuring out that sweet spot, because if you're not in the right part of the board, then paddling is just, you're working hard, you're not going very fast. And so I think board positioning is at least for like paddling out and that sort of thing, like getting into the lineup, super important. And then being able to adjust your positioning when you're ready to catch a wave based on what the wave is looking like. Um, and I think a lot of people that I encounter with the paddling issues, if they're not first timers, if they've already been surfing for a little bit, it's usually they're either paddling too fast and thinking like, Oh, I need to paddle faster. I'm going to go faster where it's kind of the opposite. It's, you know, it's like a canoe or a kayak or a rowing type of situation where it's all about the depth of your strokes, reaching down deep, following through all the way behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to encourage throwing water behind you as you paddle, but totally. I found that saying that actually helps them dig through the water uh-huh. as opposed to just going through the motions. I see a lot of people just they'll move their arms through the water. They'll even be going deep, but there's no like, there's no traction. There's, yeah. You know, I, I equate it like, okay, if you're going to dig a hole in the sand, you know, use that kind of like traction, mm-hmm. that kind of pull with it mm-hmm. um, or pulling, pulling yourself up a rope or something like that. Right. Yeah, just doing the motions, even if the technique is right, is it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a really great point because I'm the same. You know, I don't want to see water getting splashed out the back like rooster tails. Basically, it's like the wrong power band placement. You know, like too much. But it you yeah. make a valid point where that saying that you know without trying to get them to actually do it is going to carry that pressure that they need to apply through the water for a little longer pressure is a good word actually i'm gonna start using that <laughs> like, you need to feel like resistance and pressure on your hands and your arm to know that you're actually scooping right pulling that water and through the whole stroke you know there shouldn't be like that slipping you know where that's what i feel like i see a lot it's almost like i feel like it's a self-sabotage sometimes it's like did you really want that wave oh. because you were just like paddling in this small little gear, you know, like this one little part next to you rather than really, 100%. you know, and, and, and I, and I'm not sure if it's actually a deliberate sort of subconscious conscious thing that they're doing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a little another, bit of fear. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's like, uh, I want this wave and I know I'm supposed to paddle to get it, but I don't really want it. Um, but there might, maybe there's something there with the effect it's having on how people paddle in general, you know, uh, specifically our students. But for me, it really is a fascinating thing because for such a simple aspect of surfing, for such a fundamental part that we kind of take for granted once you really get it, you know, once you really yeah. figure it out, you don't really think much about it anymore. And all the subtle little things that you do to make it better, you know, the way you lay down on your board and the way you adjust while you're paddling without losing a bead and all these simple the way you engage your core and, and keep yourself elevated off of it, there's a lot to it that, that isn't really discussed, I feel. Yeah, I think that core is like a pretty a pretty key part, you know, especially when you're changing board sizes and shapes, like how you distribute that pressure from your stomach and like your groin and your thighs into mm-hmm. the board is going to change or you're going to need more pressure or more weight or less. Um, and then I also try to, really explain to people that like paddling like paddling out 
should be again not a race unless you're trying to get out to like get over a set or something like that but like you should be each stroke should be moving you you know about four or five feet with just one stroke if you're on like i'm thinking more of like a longer board if you're on a Mm -hmm. shorter board it's a bit different um but that paddle out again all about board positioning and just keeping your stamina but to catch a wave a lot of people just think that they have to paddle super super hard to catch waves and i'm i try to teach them that okay when you see a wave and you identify it as a wave you want to catch the paddles you make if you're paddling towards the beach ready to catch this wave those paddles are just position paddles is what Mm. i call them okay so you're not you're not going fast you're just you're going to that part in the water where you think that wave is going to almost be breaking so you're positioning yourself and then once you get there, if you've timed it right, as that wave is right behind you and starts to pull you up the wave, those are the hard paddles. That's when you put the chest down. That's when you're digging and going a little faster. But everything leading up to that is just position paddles. Mm. But the actual paddles to catch the wave, those happen when the wave is there. Um, and people, you know, people identify a wave, they turn around and they just turn on to, right. you know, sixth gear and, you know, oftentimes they over paddle the wave. And then sure. the wave breaks on them or something sure. like that. So I try to stress that paddling, you know, you want to be efficient when you're surfing. Like we're, we're efficient when we're in the water. We're not overexerting ourselves unless it's absolutely necessary to like make it over a wave or get to the shoulder to try mm-hmm. to catch, you know, a wide set or something like that. But I think for whatever reason, a lot of beginners just think, oh, the harder you paddle, the easier it'll be for you to get in that wave. And I find that that's the opposite. I mean, you watch pros take two paddles. Right. And on a little shortboard and right. they catch like a little waist high wave, you know, and right. Yeah. That's, that's, and timing. that's the proof right there. You know, I mean, take it even further and like, look at body surfers, how they just are like bobbing yeah. their head above the water. And next thing you know, their head's down and they're in the wave. It, it's, exactly. you know, like I, what I'm hearing from you is intention, you know, like you were talking yeah. about how, like how to read a wave, you know, and the shape. So when you're using your position paddles to use your language, you're paddling with intention rather than just intensity. And, yes. and I think that's where the learning really starts happening because your head's in the game now. Now you're able to like keep track of what's going on and what's changing, you know? And, and again, like maybe you'll miss the wave or maybe you'll get pitched still. You're still gonna make mistakes. This isn't to say that you're gonna do it perfectly, but now you're learning. Now you were watching, yeah. now you were paying attention. So in that process, you gained a little point of experience that is gonna serve you in the future for like, okay, well last time the wave started looking like this, I overpowered, all right, let me slow it down a bit, you know, kind of a thing. Um, but I, I, I really love that point because it's, it, it, it just, again, it speaks so much to how important it is to make a simple thing a big part of your studying when you're, you're surfing. And now that I've been doing it, I feel like, wow, I, I, it's like, even for me, you know, I, I wanna be really intentive uh, is that a word? In, uh, full of intention with yeah, my intentional. paddling. Intentional. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then then you're doing less paddles. Then you're moving into position and working less to get waves. Um, hey, so let me change up the topics a little bit. This is something that always, it's been kind of coming up more and more for me. And I think, you know, uh, you're 32, I'm 36. So we're probably not as affected by this or maybe maybe it's just more of a personality thing but you see it a lot in surfing specifically the the aggressiveness let's call it or or hate might be a little aggressive of a word 
Um, but let, let me even say that, like the hate towards beginner surfers and, and even surf instructors, you know, whereas look, when you go like, you know, so my wife's from central Europe and I took this cross country skiing lesson with her and the dude was like the most revered like guy on the slopes. Everybody was like, Oh, tipping their hat to him, you know, cause he was very good, you know, at what he did. And he was like one of the people keeping order. Like basically not letting me go off into the trails thinking I know what I'm doing because it looks like it's just walking like cross country skiing, Um, you know, and overestimate, just like people do with surfing, you overestimate it. You're like, oh, look at all these people doing it. That little kid's doing it. This lady's doing it. That old guy's doing it. Easy. I just have to get on this board, go out there and do it. And, And really, you know, the instructors are the ones who are kind of bringing order or should be. I mean, it's not always the case as we know. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like what, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because it feels like surfing is the, one of the only, I can think of examples where the instructor and the student are both kind of hated. Yeah. And we definitely are. I think, um, like even like when I'm out just surfing on my own, you know, I can't stand when there's a new surfer out there that is continuously in the way, doesn't realize their mistake, doesn't realize that they're in the way or could be causing harm to somebody like that makes me just as upset as any other experienced surfer um but i do agree with you what you said like the surf instructor is there to kind of provide order the and and keep you know not only our our client safe our student but also everybody else in the water as well by keeping our our student maybe off to the side or wherever um wherever is like safest and is not going to ruin anybody else's surf. But the problem, at least in Southern California is that there's so many surf schools and a lot of those surf instructors are just not very good surfers themselves, to be honest. Mm. Um, A lot of the lessons that are being given probably all over the world are just one-offs, you know, a, a kid or a family or whoever that just wants to like go surfing on their vacation and you, them out for two hours and if they get to their feet and ride straight towards the beach they had a great time um and i do a lot of those lessons as well but because that's fairly easy for somebody who's a intermediate surfer let's say to just be in white water just push somebody into a wave um they're just they're not really aware i think a lot of these surf instructors are just not aware of you know the surf etiquette or if they're aware, they just don't care. Mm-hmm. But like, as as lifelong like surfers that started when we were young, like it was drilled into us either through people at the beach or through the media we had available at the time to like be respectful, stay off to the side, don't get in the way. You know, if you're not in my brain growing up, if you weren't the best surfer, you don't deserve the best wave. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when I go with new people first timers, that sort of thing. I, I'm taking them off to the side. They don't need a great wave. They just need something that's going to take them so that they can just stand up. But like, you know, have you ever been to Doheny beach? Yeah. Sure. Point? Mm-hmm. So that, that spot is now just beginner central, um, which is good and bad. It's a great wave for the longboard. So it's kind of a bummer that all the learners are out there, but because it's such a great soft wave, of course it makes sense to like learn to surf there. And I give a lot of lessons there, but there's different peaks throughout that beach. And I've noticed a lot of surf schools go straight to what we call the boneyard, which is like the A-framing right and left, where you've got really good longboarders that surf there. Like, 
guys that are like born and bred in that town and have been longboarding that wave their whole life. Very mm-hmm. high level longboarders. And because it's such a predictable, easy wave, the surf schools will just take their students right out there. And it just gives everybody else a bad name that's giving lessons. Um, and I, I get it, you know, like you don't, you don't want more people surfing because you want more waves for yourself. I understand that. But if all these people are going to be learning to surf anyways, somebody needs to show them how to be safe, how to be respectful and just how to work a lineup Mm -hmm. as opposed to just having them go out there with their big boards, you know, hard boards, a lot of them and just going right into people all the time. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of in the water. I actually don't really have too many problems with people kind of ever. Um, I think if you go to spots that are kind of known beginner spots, there's going to be lessons being given. Um, people that are good surfers kind of understand that and they just deal with it. But I really make it clear to the people I take out, like this is a wave you can surf. Here's some other beaches that are good for you either because they're uncrowded or there's areas of the beach where you can be off to the side. Um, but a lot of people they will take like a lesson or two and they want to like be surfers and start surfing and they'll just buy a board and just go surfing on their own at the spot that the media has told them is the good spot. They'll go to Trestles, they'll go to Sano, they'll go to all <laughs> these spots that have hundreds of people out there mm-hmm. on any week- given weekend. And I mean, I would hate it if somebody that I taught went out and surfed and either got hurt or hurt someone else and then they told them that oh the california surf academy taught me how to surf you know right. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> how they how they act in the water reflects back on me so i want to make sure that they're learning what i think is the right way to learn yeah um, which is off to the side at uncrowded beaches and on boards that aren't going to hurt anybody until you've learned how to actually control your board totally yeah, you, you. I mean, you hit it there. You basically just summarized the situation. But it, you know, it, it's starting to feel to me like, what are we gonna do, or how how does this play out? Where basically anybody can start a surf school and just start launching people anybody. into waves. There yeah. is no well, like accreditation or whatever, you know. I think. I mean, there's nothing to be done. I think it's just gonna be the way it is, and you just hope that people find you and your service before they find someone else's or, you know, it's for those people that really want to surf and not just do a one-off lesson. I feel like they do a little bit more research into what's actually going to help them be a surfer. Sure. Quote unquote. Um, as opposed to the person that just is there on vacation and just wants a surf lesson. And maybe they're just like, Oh, this guy's cheaper than this guy. Or this person has a location that works better for where I'm staying and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the clients that I work with regularly, either on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, those are people that like they're fans of surfing. Like we were before we even surfed. Like they're already interested in it. They know, you know the pros and that sort of thing. And they, their idea of surfing may be different and unrealistic until you begin to surf with them and explain to them like, hey, like you're not going to rip like Kelly Slater on a shortboard ever. <laughs> you know, you're not even going to be on a shortboard probably for the next like three or four years if you really want to like enjoy surfing and progress at it you know and and i think a big thing too is just the history of surfing and the culture like you grew up on the east coast and i know the east coast surf culture is very tight-knit everybody's very proud of their little surf town and the people that have come out of there 
Um, and I think that's one of the coolest things in surfing. So I really try to like encourage people to explore the surf history of wherever it is they're surfing. Talk to the old guys in the parking lot. Go Google or YouTube, you know, surfing. You know, if you're in, if you're from Dana Point, Google Dana Point surfing. Mm-hmm. Read about it. Learn about it. Acknowledge it. Respect it. Make it special. And then I think you have those people then have like a um, just a, a bigger appreciation for surfing in general. And it comes from a less selfish, like, I'm here to surf and I want to rip and I want to be cool and be the best. It becomes more like, oh, I just want to like, I want to enjoy the water. I want other people to enjoy the water. I want to get stoked out if I see Mickey Munoz out there. Like, you'll see right. him at Doheny sometimes and I'll point him out to my clients. Like, you don't know who that is, but it's, you're very, very lucky to be seeing him out there on his paddleboard right now, you know? That's such a that's such a valid point, you know the the bringing depth to your your surfing basically, and you as a surfer by knowing your history and being able to recognize maybe someone that paddles out like that, and because if that you know there's very few other sports where you like I don't know basketball for example, you're gonna just be shooting some hoops and then Michael Jordan's gonna walk out there and be shooting hoops with you, you know like it just isn't gonna work like that. Whereas in it's surfing, not gonna happen, yeah, you, you totally cross it up with all these legends um and and it it just there's a depth to it i think and if, and you said it you know people who really do want to learn to surf will care about those things and i think it's just important that we continue to feed that you know and to be those ones because hopefully there's an evolution where it's you know it's well recognized by like where do you actually learn how to surf or where do you go on a like the amusement park surf ride you know yeah and uh, I think I think you know we just have to keep doing what we're doing <laughs> well and it's just fun it adds like that extra layer of like surfing is so much more than being on a wave and riding it like it's mm. the relationships you make with people it's you know what came before you it's it's like I fanboy out so hard on pro surfing on free surfing on all the history of surfing like maybe it's just because i was in texas and couldn't surf a lot so i had to like get my surf fix through like the history of surfing and that sort of thing but like any any lifelong surfer has a deep knowledge and understanding of like everything that happened before yep and you know what it should be like you know all those people that hate surf instructors and new surfers are the people that really care about surfing and want it to be special and keep it core you know you hear core a lot um and i think new surfers don't quite understand that because it's just something a lot of them see on social media or maybe they think it's just a cool thing to do because they'll get chicks or whatever it is when you when you appreciate it beyond that i think it's it's a better thing for everybody Hmm. yeah well said everybody learn your history Right, right, and I guess we can't we can't possibly hit this point without dropping a name like uh, Matt Warshaw. He's been on the show a couple yeah. times, and he, you know, I I just really appreciate what he does because well, nobody else is doing it, and and surfing is so new as as far as a sport and as far as I mean, historically, it's not really new. You know, to some extent or another, humans have been surfing for a really long time. We don't know the beginning really. Um, but this kind of part of it where we're recognizing it as a, a sport, it's becoming competitive and there's a, a written history. Um, it's, it's th- that, that part doesn't go back that far. So I really yeah. appreciate someone like Matt, you know, and, and the encyclopedia of surfing and his service to be able to just 
you know, hear a name, it reminds, it makes me think of music. Like I went through a phase when I was younger, like high school and college where I loved music. And if I just heard a band name or an artist name, I would immediately go learn everything I could and listen to it like yeah. beginning of their career to end of their career and then decide if I liked them or not, you know? And I, and I had a really good time of, you know, maybe a decade of doing that, like really passionately. And so Matt Warshaw kind of gives us that opportunity to do that too. Like you hear Mickey Mignot is like, oh, who's that? Go type it in and go read about him on Encyclopedia of Certain. Like the most yeah. information you can get about that guy is going to be probably 80% of it in that, you know, one little resource. So it's a, it's a good that one comparison to music and musicians is actually I've never heard that before. And I think that's so accurate when it comes to like, you know, the history of surfing, the personalities and surfing that have you know been doing it a long time. Because that's 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 it. I mean, everybody has a favorite band and you probably know a couple fun facts about that band. Totally. And, yeah. You know, if you're going to be a surfer, you're going to have a favorite surfer like and you're going to want to know about them. Where did they yeah. come from? What, what crazy things happen during their surfing life? You know, what experiences do they have? I think that's that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, it's just people in the end. Um, yeah. All right, so let me let me ask you some things about your boards and what you're riding, and and we'll take that into like how do you uh, you know get beginners and and intermediates? How do you help them assess their boards? Because a, a common question I get, you know, in my inbox all the time, just out of the thin air is just like, what's the best beginner board for me, blah, blah. And it's, you know, I've, I have my a strong opinion on it, but it's it's still relative to that person, you know. Um, so go ahead, I'll let you, without actually having a clear oh. question for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, for the, for the first part of that question is, what, what am I writing? I, you know, I, I guess I would identify as a longboarder only because that's what I'm most proficient at. And I've had like, a competitive history with longboarding and stuff like I feel that I'm a good enough to compete on a on a pretty high level with longboarding so I'm writing 96 surfboards that are generally 23 inches wide 3 inches thick I like a square tail I historically like a pretty round nose but I've been writing some boards with some more pulled in noses and those have been working um, you know you your preference of surfboards is always going to be changing. It's just mm. interesting and fresh. But yeah, so longboards is generally where I'll be surfing, but I'm on a real shortboard kick right now, or small board, I'll, I'll call it. Um, anything from mid-lengths around like the 6'8 to 7-foot range, any fin setup, preferably twin fin or a 2 plus 1, down to right now I've got, here in Central America, I've got a little 5'7 um, Mayhem like MR model, Mark Richards model. It's like a twin trailer, and it's like a, it's not a fish, it's not a shortboard. And I read it with that twin trailer, so it's kind of like feels like a fish, but still pretty high performance for what I generally ride. And mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun on that, and like pretty excited, excited about sharpening my shortboard skills. Um, now that I'm in places that offer waves that are easier to shortboard. Mm. Um, but for beginners, I always recommend, I mean, yeah, it does depend on the person, but I always recommend at least a nine-foot surfboard, something with rocker specifically in the nose, um, thin setup, whatever their preference is, although I do think that two plus one thin setup is just going to be easier for them to learn about board control and that sort of thing. And I encourage them to ride boards like that until they feel confident and in turning their boards because if you can't turn your board around somebody that's in the way or kick out of a wave with con- 
control and you shouldn't be on any other kind of surfboard. Um, I recommend soft tops for first timers. I don't give them a, a timeline, but I, you know, I try to say, okay, maybe like spend like six, 12 months on it. Again, learning the board control because if you can turn a crappy soft top, once you get on that hard top board that responds quicker and is a lot more just like defined in what it can do, like then you'll be able to control that hard top. But, you know, people don't want to be on a soft top for that long because it's not cool. And my friend has a hard top and all that right, stuff. Right. But, um, but I, I'm a big believer in, I mean, I, I'm sure you're very similar. Like I approach my teaching from the same way that I learned, which was started out on a shortboard, actually really struggled on it, had fun, but didn't realize that I was a shitty surfer for X amount of years and then hopped on my dad's longboard and immediately was catching any wave I wanted and going down the open face. And I think if you're not catching waves, you're not learning how to surf. So get a board that's going to catch waves for you, which is, in mm. my opinion, if you're an adult, probably a nine-foot board or bigger. Um, and then once you spend enough time on that, you develop your paddling muscles and your rate, your wave reading becomes better and your ocean knowledge is just more depth and start to go down in size if that's how you want to surf. Some people just get a longboard and they just, that's, that's it. They're not trying to rip. They're just trying to like enjoy the ocean and have fun and be safe. And you can do all of that on a longboard. Other people like the challenge and want to mix it up. So incrementally go down in size. If you're riding a nine foot, wide nose longboard okay get an eight foot board that maybe has a little bit more pointed of a nose but still has volume in the chest so you can paddle and catch waves and, mm. and then once you get that down okay go down to a seven footer see what that's like change the fin setup change the waves you're surfing i mean a lot of it is going to be dictated by the type of waves you surf sure um, yeah my, my biggest thing has always been like okay as a longboard i'll go out like when i was in north carolina for school i'd go out there It'd be thigh high and just perfect for longboarding, perfect for trying to get to the nose, that sort of thing. And I'd be out there and there'd be 20 shortboarders and they're all pissed off. They're, they're not catching waves or the, the minute they stand up, like they can't get speed. And it's just like, ride the board for the wave, dude. Like you'll have way more fun. Don't get mad at me because I'm having a good time and catching my waves. Like, I, that's when I get a that's I used to get a lot of like oh fucking longboarder like get on a real board and stuff like that and it's like, <laughs> you've been sitting for 30 minutes without catching a wave and I've had 10 waves in that time without having to like hassle or like yeah I don't know I just think the waves should dictate what you ride if you live in Southern California where the waves are soft and small a lot of the time ride a bigger board if you live on the east coast Start off riding a bigger board. I think the worst thing you can do for your surfing as a beginner to beginner intermediate is to go too small too fast. Mm. Yeah, that's really going to introduce like the struggle and the hardship, and that's where it quickly erodes the fun. From exactly. Surfing. Keep it fun for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of reminded me of of the discovery of bigger boards. You nailed it. You know that first board for me was a six two. And man, it was hard, you know, and I, you know, I think it served something for us. Luckily we were kids so we could persevere through it and it kind of just, you know, it develops the heart that you need to have in surfing. No matter what board you have, you're always challenging yourself. So you, you always have to have heart, you know, to be able to surf 
bigger, better waves. Um, that being said, I think the first, I know the first experience I had with a bigger board was when my friend was given, I didn't have a board actually. I, I broke a board and I'm asking the boys, like anybody got an extra board for me? And he goes, yeah, I got this thing like my dad's friend gave me. It was this 70s wide point forward, super fat, beak nose. Um, you know, it had to be like seven, two, we don't know. It didn't have dimensions on it. His friend's dad shaped it. And I was like, whatever, you know, I'll take what I can get. And that was my board for a solid two, I want to say two years. And I came to time. love that board. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It was a long time. Cause I was young. I was 15 or 16. So it was still all scrounging, you know, whatever, like wetsuits, surfboards was just whatever I could get my hands on. But just like you said, like realizing, oh man, I'm surfing differently now, you know? And of course, the more you ride a board, the more accustomed you get to it. And so I actually started to love that board. You know, it was like a really special board and it was a big chapter in my surfing where it was like, okay, it doesn't have to be a short board. I don't know, you know, you, you probably experienced this in North Carolina. I don't know if it's as a thing in California um, because when I went to California the first time when I was, I don't know, 19 or 20, I was struck by the diversity of surfboards. You know, I was like, wow, everybody gets along and rides whatever boards they want. East Coast, or at least Long Island specifically, if you weren't on a 6.0 or something shorter, you're not cool, you're out. Like, don't even show your face, you know? It was really strict at a lot, and it was, you know, at all these beach breaks, um, that if you were not riding a shortboard, you were not allowed to show up or be around, you know, like go down the beach. So the first time I went to California and I saw guys on these weird boards, all, I mean, A-Sims weren't really a thing then, you know, is it's still far enough back that that didn't quite really hit the mainstream yet, but just egg shapes, single fins. Oh God. I'm, I was thinking, man, if I show up to the beach with a single fin back in New York, I'm going to, they're going to have my head. <laughs> but, but I, um, I bet that's different now though, in New York, especially like I was in New York, uh, 2019 was the last time I was there to surf. And if anything, I, I mean, I saw lots of shortboards, of course, but the average surfer was riding, you know, what I would call an alternative surfboard. You know, single fin, two fins, uh, mid-length, wide, thick. Um, maybe the spots are different. Maybe there's like certain jetties and that sort of thing where like, oh, if you show up with that, you know, not cool. But yeah, in North Carolina, where I went to school anyways, is a college town, so lots of people are learning to surf, they're trying it out. You'd get you'd get people on like fun boards or the occasional like high performance long board. And they were never the greatest surfers, but they were alright. Um, when I started riding like single fin longboards, which is around eighteen, was when I kinda got into the heavy longboard um, type of wave riding. There was maybe like two other people in that town that rode boards like that. And then maybe you had a couple others in some other beach towns. But by the time I left college, like you would see tons of Bings and Hobies and all these like alternative California brands popping up all over um, those like southern beaches in North Carolina. And I would I would say it's probably probably there's probably more of those now than ever before i haven't been back in a while but i still see things on instagram and youtube and things like that and um people are definitely a lot more open-minded i think they're just having more fun i think they're just writing boards that make a shitty wave a lot more fun 
Yeah, no, agreed. It's come a long way, you know, since the days I'm talking about. <clears throat> but um, yes, yeah, it's just, I guess it's kind of ingrained in me a little bit, you know, and, and now I mean, I ride my shortboard least of all, you know, mostly on on mid range boards, mid, you know, mid lanes. Um, but yeah, still in me somewhere is that memory. And <laughs> so I just, you know, see having that experience in California, I was like, wow, everybody is so like open minded here. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, I wasn't in California until about 10 years ago, other than like my time spent during the summer. But I, I feel like um, there definitely was a time in California where, you know, white six foot surfboard, black wetsuit, that's all you rode, thrusters. I'm sure that was like a definite, you know, vibe in the water. And it was just those people, you know, like Joel. Right. Like Joel is a classic example of like just rode his single fin longboards and his mid lengths and his eggs and his twin fins and didn't care what anybody else said and just kept doing it. Even though, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, people wanting to fight him or kicking him out of lineups and him having, you know, that's why he learned jujitsu, right? Was because he didn't want to get picked on anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there definitely was a time like that in California. Um, but maybe maybe that was more like early '90s. So I feel like in that early 2000s was that alternative board revival, right? You had movies like Seedling and Sprout, and mm -hmm. you know, fishes started making a comeback. I don't know. In Texas, everything is kind of like a couple years behind like California, I think, and maybe that's a little true on the East Coast as well. Like what's cool in California in the moment hasn't quite translated to like the Gulf Coast. Mm. So like when I was growing up longboarding, we were all riding. The high performance longboards, you know, that we're trying to surf from like shoreboards, and that was the cool thing to do. And I remember there's like two guys that stick out of my head in Texas that were like just single thing guys, nose rider, like stylish guys, and you'd go to contests and stuff, and like everybody would like pick on them essentially. And they got there to be they'd be surfing so good and so beautifully, but everyone's like, oh, it's so lame, you know, you got a lot of like do a turn <laughs> yeah do a turn even though they're doing turns it's like okay it's not like a snappy turn but. right 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 well yeah now it's so funny one there's very few kinds of surfings i don't really i don't want to say don't like but high performance longboarding is one that i was probably lower on my list of what i enjoy watching i i agree with that i, I will say there's a caveat there there's there's a couple guys out there still that are like beautiful to watch on a high performance longboard like taylor jensen Mm -hmm. is I think I think he's probably the best longboarder in the world because he'll go back and forth between high performance and single fin and make both look equally as smooth and flowy but he's also like 6'5 and like he's a big dude so his right. hyper longboard looks like a mid-length under his feet right 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 um, but like the older Hawaiians like Bonga Perkins I always thought was really beautiful to watch and he could do both disciplines as well um, but yeah I I don't seek out high-performance longboard clips. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, hey, so I had asked you if you have some clips you want to share. Uh, do, do you have anything for us? And, and do you have a little share screen button? Maybe we can take I mean, a look. I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure. Like what. Like, what did you want to share? Like, just me surfing or... Whatever. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to just... If you had something recent you're stoked about or if you have something you share with your beginner, it, it really, it's anything. It's it's kind of what, what stokes you out and gets you excited. If you want to just sh share a wave or two, 
because um, I put the video up on, for the members to see. I basically put uh, it up okay. right away. Um, you know, unreleased, uh, unedited, unreleased uh, kind of thing. And it's just nice to have, a, if there's a little surfing in there too, it's a cool little bonus. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's your call. I'm, and a you little, sh- I'm a little unprepared in that regard. I have I have plenty of clips of just me surfing, but all of my like, like beginner related videos um those are all on well, a hard can... drive and or on my social media right okay well this is a good i mean i'll say it in the beginning and, and put it in the description of the show and all that but why don't you go ahead and, and hit us with your your handles and how people can find you and link up with you right now you're in central america i guess are you there indefinitely or what how does that work oh uh, no i'm i'm uh, actually working for somebody that does surf retreats in this area mm-hmm. um so it's kind of my way to like work my way through Central America, but still be able to surf and, and hang out. So right now I've got a week off and they've given me like a beautiful place to stay. And so that's what I'm doing right now, but I'll be back in California um, in May and starting all, all of my programs again. But yeah, this time of year gets a little slower in California, but my, my business is the California Surf Academy. Um, we operate out of Southern California specifically kind of southern orange county um on instagram you can find it at the california surf academy or the california surf academy.com my personal instagram is a rock rise and that's just me stroking my own ego and putting up a lot of surfing photos of myself pretty much um but if people are interested in finding some videos or some tips to help their surfing more specific to longboarding. Um, I generally put that on my surf Academy Instagram and eventually we'll be putting it on a YouTube channel. I've just been very lazy about actually getting that going. Oh man. I know Um, the story. It's, it's hard to keep up with all these, you know, ways of accessing the world. You know, I feel like I feel like we're at that age where we're just a little older than the people who are super excited about it, you know? Yeah. Because some people I'm watching them do, it and I'm like, damn, you guys are so good at this, like, on Instagram, on YouTube, on you know, on every platform, and it's like it's not that I don't have stuff to, I don't know what it is. There's some block, and I'm I'm blaming it on age. Maybe that's an excuse, <laughs> but it could I, be. I, I, I find it you. so hard. I I think it takes a lot of work to put together something like content that's uh you know of a good quality and like right something that you're proud of yeah something you're proud of and it's hard it takes time to do that like i made there is a youtube video if people want to check it out on i called it a beginner's guide on how to how to nose ride you can Mm -hmm, see that on youtube if you just type that in or type in the california surf academy it's up there and it was like a 30 minute video and it probably took me like almost a month just to do and I was, and I'm actually still not happy with it. Right, it's of course. People can see <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, that that whole, um, you know, perfect is the enemy of of good or getting it done, whatever that phrase. It totally hits me and resonates with me because that's exactly my problem. Is like I, I feel like I can make it better, I can do it better, and then how many months has gone by and it's not even out there at all? It's like, damn. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's just one more thing I wanted to ask you. And that is your kooky story. Oh my gosh, I actually have a great one, or one that I tend to tell people. Um, so I longboard a lot, right? So I ride without a leash, 
which I don't recommend people do if they're learning to cross step or anything like that. Like you can only do that when you feel very confident that you're going to fall and still be able to grab your board. But uh, I was out at my local spot at Sano and um, a spot called Four Doors, which is probably the most crowded of all the spots down at that San Onofre beach. And there was a big, not a big outside set. It was only maybe like three or four foot, but I was the farthest one out and it was breaking before it got to me. So I was just, okay, I'm going to paddle towards it. I'm going to turtle roll. Then in a million times, no big deal. And I turtle rolled. And where I put my hand, rail the surfboard. And when that wave hit me, ripped the board completely out of my hand. And I was, again, the farthest one out. There's probably like 30 people out there. And as I like came out from underwater and I'm looking towards the beach, I just see my board just ping-ponging up and down, up and down. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't hit somebody. Like People are pretty pretty good about avoiding a loose board, especially at that spot, because a lot of people are riding leashless. But by the time the board stops, I'm already like, I'm, I've already been swimming in trying to get to it. And when it stops, I realize it had landed directly on top of somebody. And when I get to them, they're like, pulling the fin out of their surfboard <laughs> like the fin had land luckily it landed in the board and not into their head right um but i was just like you know i obviously was super apologetic like, oh my god dude, are you all right are you okay and he was like i'm fine i'm fine my your board like he's like oh it's pretty dinged up like well, let's go in let me get your information i'll pay to have it fixed of course and he was like well it's it's not my board it's my friend's board and i was like okay well where's your friend like let me go talk to them and let him know what happened and exchange information and he points into the beach and there's these two big easy ups those like big beach tents and there's gotta be like 20 30 people under them it's like she's one of those tents um her name is what to go in there and ask for her um you can get her information so i went into the beach walk up to this birthday party that's happening on the beach got music going they're grilling out and i kind of like oh like somebody looks at me and i'm like hey i'm looking for let's just call her sarah i can't remember i'm looking for sarah um is she around and the person i was talking to was like what i can't hear you and fully turns the music off so every the whole vibe just like stops and like oh i'm I'm looking for sarah (laughs) and like oh why and i was like um i think i just like put a ding in her surfboard and everybody just turns and looks at me and is like i'm getting like cool like Daggers stared at me and Sarah just comes walking out of this little crowd. I was like, I'm Sarah. Did you say you put a ding in my board? And I was like, you know, yeah, like, sorry, my name's Alec. I was out there and I turtle rolled and the board got pulled from my hand and I'm really, really sorry. And she was so, so nice and was like, oh, like, no worries. Like, turns out she worked for Hobie and was like, the boys at the Hobie factory, they'll fix it up for me, even though it was a brand new board. Like, she was so, so sweet. But the whole time I'm looking over her shoulder and like, all these guys and girls that now I know and recognize from being at that beach quite a bit are just looking at me like they wanted to kick my ass. I was like, on her birthday, kind <laughs> of all of her friends put a hole in her brand new board. And, you know, you can't like, when that situation happens, it's not like you can be like, oh, like, I'm actually a good surfer. I promise I'm not a kook. Like, they all yeah. just, just some freaking Barney. And, oh, it was bad. It was as bad. It was the most embarrassing, like, kooky story I've ever had. Oh, that's a great one. I really appreciate the humility, too. 
I wax up the rails of my board, and I recommend everybody do this. I wax it all the way to the rail, like, because I do not want to be slipping ever again. That was definitely a lesson learned. Oh, man, that's so good. Wow, great one. Really appreciate that. Sometimes people, I ask for the kooky story, and I just cut it off at the recording because people are like, oh, yeah, one time I, I wiped out. It's like, okay. Uh, well, I have a question. I mean, you can put it on or not, but I'm just curious to hear your opinion about, um, you know, we mentioned earlier how like surf instructors are not exactly the most popular people in the lineup and that sort of thing. But to then make your social media presence, you know, there's, to me in my brain, okay, there's a fine line between being like respected by the people I respect for surfers and then also trying to promote a business that, you know, the most core surfers don't agree with, you know, yeah. like they don't want to see me out there putting up videos on how to catch a wave and how to carry your surfboard in the water and that sort of thing. Um, and which is why I kind of on my business Instagram, like I go through like little spurts of like, okay, I'm productive and I'll put out these like how to videos and then I'll kind of stop. Cause then I feel a little like self-conscious about, okay, what are you like? people I respect is going to be thinking they're just going to think I'm too poop trying to make like a money grab or something like that. Dude, 100%. You basically just described like how I feel too. Like I had a, a, like spurts, just like you said, of being super productive and being on it and like really, you know, putting it out there and then suddenly getting like a prick in my conscience, you know, like of like, oh, like I'm crossing a line here, you know? you know, this isn't right. I, I don't know. I, I still struggle with it. There is no answer I have, you know, I really don't know. Like my justification that I try to tell myself is that I'm trying to make the lineup better. I really genuinely am. I'm trying to make it so that this kook that is going to otherwise hurt us doesn't because he saw my post. That's like, here's how you do a sitting turn and paddle away, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really envy the people who, who don't have this self-awareness or a consciousness, you know, that they just can kind of do things and don't care or don't. I don't even think it's that they don't care. I think it's that they don't have a mind for it, you know, like it's not even on their radar. And I, man, I envy that so much because I'm a very empathetic and sensitive person. So I'm constantly aware of like the room feeling like I read the room too much. You know, I know what's, I can walk into a room and know like, oh, a weird conversation just happened or this person's not feeling good. And so I, I, that extends into like my culture, my community that I really value. You know, I love surfing. I love surfers. And I feel obviously feel that feeling from them, you know, of like what we do and, and what I do. And I, I want to somehow tell them, like, I want a chance to be able to be like, hey, this is why I'm doing it and what I think and what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to like just, I mean, yes, I'm trying to make a living, of course, but like, I want to be honest about that and not be like, it's not about the money. Um, but I, I'm trying to do it in a way that genuinely brings value, you know, to our community and it's good for you. Like, I want you to see me out there and be like, oh, good. Chris is out here with the beginning, you know, right. yeah, like this guy's out there with Chris, not like Joe Schmo. Right. Or whatever. So, and, and, and to some extent I've seen that progress happen, like some surfers that I really respect, older surfers, really great that really like kind of regulated lineups. Um, you know, like some of them really like saw the difference between what I was trying to do and what the big surf schools down the block are doing, you know, yeah. and we're like, you know, so you win some people over a little at a time. But yeah, no, I don't think that'll ever go away. And and sometimes I wonder if I'm doing what I should be doing with my life, 
because it's just so heavy on my heart all the time. You know, it's like, man, maybe surfing should just be surfing. <laughs> yeah, but then what else are we going to do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love it so that's, much. That's I the part. really enjoy like, teaching people and, you know, showing I them really the way. I really do too. I really do too. I really do enjoy it. And there are some days where I feel so fulfilled, so alive about it, you know, like having a great, like a, especially the buildup um, sessions, the ones where you're working with somebody over and over and it, it, something clicks for them or something you're trying and they, oh, you yeah. see them become a little bit more of a surfer, like independently making decisions on their own, you know, not being told about every little thing and, and well, good things. Not, I'm not even talking about catching the wave for me. That's like kind of like, that's the icing on the cake, but yeah. like being able to see them make good decisions and, and, and implement lessons we've talked about in the past. Um, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I was getting at with that question. I might not have nailed it as, as so great. Um, but like it's, it's specifically social media and, and website stuff, you know, like internet stuff because yeah. it's very easy to just look at it and make a judgment real quickly, you know, right. whereas yeah. in real life, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less, um, conscious of it in real life, you know, yeah. I feel a little better because I have a good, you know, like I'm in a community where most people know what I'm doing and I've been there long enough. Um, that goes a long but way. yeah, the internet is different. The internet's yeah. different, you know, cause people can just stumble on it and be like, Oh, just another surf instructor kook, you know, probably can't right. even surf. I end up on kook <laughs> of the day or green room times or whatever for putting up some video. I'm like, that's my biggest nightmare. I'm not, that's not me. I Oh, hilarious. I mean, that's, that's kind of falls in kooky story category almost, you know, this is like, but you know, I, I, again, appreciate the humility. So I had to match it, you know, and I'm definitely going to put that on the show. Cause I think people appreciate like what we're, you know, what we go through personally to do this, you know, because surf culture is a really tricky little beast to tame yeah. and to figure out. And, uh, sometimes it's totally unreasonable. Like I've, I've had people that don't surf hear me explain surf situations and they're like why what what do you mean that happened or this like you know they just can't fathom that that's actually how things go down in surf culture like pretty consistently well i think that's another important reason of why like it's important to stress learning about the culture and the history you know again because you'll the more you learn about the people or the places that interest you in surfing you're going to learn about these situations and how they used to be handled and how surfers still think they should be handled and what it means to be a new surfer. Well, yeah, new surfers definitely don't understand that they are like bottom of the fishbowl, you know, they, they just think, right. oh, we're all out here surfing. But in reality, it's like, <laughs> oh, starting to surf, like you're the most hated person in the lineup right now or the most disliked. Yeah. Crowd, you know? Totally, totally. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on here. This was super fun. I was stoked you reached out. Yeah, absolutely. This was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I, I kind of knew I was gonna, um, but yeah, right on dude. Well, enjoy your time down there. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we did this. Thanks for working with me on the schedule and time zones and all that. Yeah.